welcome to Minute 47 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Kurt Kenny, award-winning producer, director, writer, composer, filmmaker. Welcome back to the show, Kurt. Thank you. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun talking about food yesterday, but today we're going to move <laughs> away from food. We'll, we'll try to try to find some other interesting things to talk about that that are not food related. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. episode forty-seven begins with uh, Al acknowledging the, the, the dispatch call and ends with John reaching the door. So yesterday yep. we we ended things with uh, Al leaving the AMPM on his way to his car. And, you know, he acknowledges the call that uh, they're sending him to Nakatomi. He goes, 8 Lincoln 30 to dispatch. I'm on my way. And then he starts walking towards the car. Now, one of the things that I noticed, which is really funny, if you look even in the first second of this this minute, the door to his police car is not closed. It's slightly ajar. <laughs> really? You, you, yeah, you think, I guess okay. He was just sloppy in closing it. Yeah. Yeah. You you think he'd be concerned that uh, someone's gonna you know steal his police car or something? You know that that's actually a production error, I guess you can say. Yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think it was really Al, but but still it's uh it's funny that you if you this, look at this, it that way. This first shot though is is, is a really nice piece of staging though because it does everything you need visually all in one. Image, it's it's uh, it's funny. I'm I'm guessing this gas station is probably still there actually because that you they give you a way to know exactly where it is too because he's all in one shot. He's walking out, he stops, throws the thing in the car, and then we just pan over with him, and then suddenly right in the frame is the Nakatomi building, which is yes. just you know it's so visually economical that it's just like you know no one has to cut, no one has to do anything. It's just it's all in the one frame that uh you know the choosing of that location and the working out of that shot. I mean, all that you had to figure out in pre-production that this is a, <clears throat> this is a place where we can get this all in one shot, you know, cause it's the whole reason you choose that particular gas station is, yeah. is to get this particular shot right here that Al can just step like, you know, four steps from his car and he's looking up and we have a perfect shot of the building there. Right. And we can um, even see the name of the, the road. It's he's on the corner of Bellwood Avenue. Yeah. Bellwood. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, so it's, um, I, I, yeah, I so wonder how far away Bellwood is very, from. Uh, very, very well chosen location because that was a. You, you couldn't you couldn't do any more economically or better with that moment as far as just, you know, uh, staging that. It's it's so everything you need just in one image, and um, also just kind of an interesting thing you know given the, the passage of time to see what the price of gas is in the shot, <laughs> which is that that's so, a, that always amazes me when I see that. Sense. That's. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it makes one very nostalgic <laughs> for those prices. But Completely. There it is. And then that's followed by actually another great oneer as well, too, because the, the shot right after that when they come out of the gas station is it's because you were talking earlier about the number of cuts in the first thing. But you come but we come out of it when we come out. We did this one shot coming over to the building and then on the top of the building. It's, you know, you start with the bad guys and then it comes over in one shot over to Bruce Willis and is kind of this high tracking shot moving over and then goes off of Bruce Willis onto Carl up on the roof, walking toward the the smoke piles and everything. It's just a really beautifully staged shot that you can in one moment 
you know, you see where everybody is, you know, ge geographically where everybody is in relation to each other. You can you know, also get the sense of how high up they are. Cause we're looking down, you can see the lights of the city below them and it's got all the smoke in the foreground, and everything too. It's just a great, great, great piece of staging. I think. Yeah. I mean, so. uh, Jan de did, did an amazing job with this, this movie. There's no question about that. Well, the staging would be would be John McTiernan who directed because he's the one who's like, okay, we we'll go from here, we'll go from here. But but yeah, Jan Dumont lit it beautifully, though. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the way that it that it all just put plays out and stuff like that, right? So I mean, we we mentioned the fact earlier that that what Al does is he goes and he takes the the bag of Twinkies, throws it into the car, and then it, it's it's funny that he throws them in. I mean, that's something that that would probably get mashed really easily. You know, it's not as if he really you know, um, you, mm -hmm. you, you think that, that, that one would be a little more cautious. I mean, we're not talking about glass, but still something that, you know, you, you don't want to get too, uh, mushed along the way or the, mm -hmm. the whole way, just the way that he tosses it in there, whatever. And then he walks towards the street. And, uh, this is actually, it's, it's funny. I've always noticed the, the sign with the price for gas, but I never paid attention to the fact that he's actually at a gas station, you know, that the AMPM is a gas station. This is the first oh, yeah, time yeah, that yeah. I, I mean, noticed I just, that. Because AMPMs are everywhere out here, so I just, you know, it's not something I think about. But, yeah, I guess if you right. don't have them there, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no, because I, 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 in my mind, it's like a 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven doesn't mean that it's going to have a, you know, uh, a pump there, you know, a gas pump. Uh, yeah, AMPM is pretty much always attached to, like, an Arco station or something like that. So. Yeah, okay. That's fair. That's, uh, so then we, we see yep. the sign that shows the gas prices, as you mentioned earlier, you know, that uh, regular is 74.9 and unleaded is 77.9, which, um, so I, I did a little bit of research about this. So what's, what was the average price per gallon in both 1987 and 1988? All right. Cause we're, we're, we're never a hundred percent sure if this movie is supposed to take place on December 24th, 87 or 88. Okay, because in 1988, December 24th was a Saturday night, or was a Saturday. Okay. Meaning that that the the big question is is are they having this party on a Friday night or a Saturday night? You know, is it the end of the workday or is it that they're working on Saturday and that they're coming in then? You know, but but either way, it doesn't make sense that that Takagi said earlier when they wake up in uh, in in uh, in Japan they're going to change things, or they wake up in Tokyo they're going to. They're going to change the codes because, uh, you know, nobody should be working either on a Saturday or a Sunday, you would think. But uh, well, these I'm are all minor kids. Uh, I'm assuming if it's, uh, you know, supposed to be Christmas 1988, what what uh, what what day of the week was that? Let's see. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Is Christmas 1988 was uh, the 25th was on a Sunday. So oh, Christmas Sunday. Eve. Yeah, okay. So Christmas Eve is Saturday night. So, so that's why. It makes a little more sense that maybe it's Friday night, but you never know. You know, it could be that they're all just workaholic. That one or seven. <laughs> it, it could be either way. It doesn't really make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so whenever I check things, I'm checking both 87 and 88 just to be just just to be as completionist as possible from that perspective. So sure. the the average price per gallon in 1987 was 90 cents. Which is really strange, and this is this is all across the whole country, okay. But I mean, so this this means that in L.A., if you were getting gas, you could do a pretty good job of uh, getting, uh, you know, getting more for your money back then. 
right? Which 90 cents in 1987 uh, money is worth $1.67 today due to inflation. And if it was 1988, so then we have, it was also 90 cents, but the inflation would say that it was $1.62 because I guess inflation went down between 87 and 88. Hmm. Um, so $1.62 compared to how much you, how much did you pay uh, recently for gas? Do you, do you have any idea? Uh, $6.25 last time I was at the pump. <laughs> so, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the national that, 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 average. That's, that's what it is here in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I, I, I did a search on that of what's, uh, you know, going according to today's numbers. Okay. Just to let everyone, you know, look behind the curtain. Today is uh, July 12th. So on July 12th, 2022. Um, the average price of a gallon of gas in the U.S., okay, and it, it obviously in different states it's going to be different things, but the average taking all 50 states into account is $4.65, okay, but the high end goes up to $6, and the low end goes up to $4.16, depending on, you know, uh, the, in the southern states, in uh, Texas and uh, Florida and and uh, a lot of the southern states, so the prices range there between uh, 416 and 438. And then, uh, you know, it, and on the west coast, it goes up to the highest between 498 and 605. So, you know, you, you well, said you paid. Like, I, I've, right. seen sta I've seen stations out here with like $7, and I, I don't go to them. I, I, I've, there are other ones that are closer to 6 Right. But yeah, the like last night, it was, I was driving by this one station. It was anywhere between. <clears throat> like six twenty five, six thirty five, something like that for wow. uh, the premium. Wow. So see, I I live in a country that that the uh, the gas prices are regulated so that every single gas station has to have the same price. So oh wow, okay. so, so that's you know so no because I mean I grew up in Detroit and I remember you know that there would be two gas stations across the street from each other that would have different prices and I always said to myself why would someone go to the one that's even a cent more you know but. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, ever since I lived here in Israel, I, I never had that problem. You don't have to, like, think of where you want to go. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's all the exact same price. But it, it's in a different currency, so I'm not even going to try to try to figure out, you know, what what's more expensive. And also, here they, they do it via liters as opposed to gallons. So, mm -hmm. uh, sure. quite different. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it cost me about... Uh, Maybe seventy-five or eighty dollars, uh, if you if you try and translate it to to dollars, you know, every time I fill up, and I have I have a small car, so I, I think that the the prices are higher here than in America. So okay, yeah. Okay. So then, uh, first of all, the, the the panning shot, as you mentioned earlier, is great. You know, the the way that 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 it just shows us, uh, you know, the entire grandeur also of the Nakatomi Building because it also it pans up. You know, yeah. Alice standing there and looking up and, you know, you see it all go up. And then the, what, what's, what's really interesting also is, is that you see the blinking lights on the top. And to me, this was a, a great storytelling uh, shot because we know what's going on, on on the top floor there. You know, where these lights are flashing, you know, there are gunshots that are that, that are happening. And, yep. you know, it, it is 40 stories up, so you're not going to be able to see everything the same way that you can see them from from down below. Yeah. So you know he doesn't he doesn't he's not able to to see what's going on there. 
Because if he was, he would call and say, okay, this isn't a grand call. Something really is going on there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the idea that the audience knows something that the character doesn't know is always great, you know, from that perspective. Because yeah. we want to see how he's going to find things out, you know, stuff like that. And then the shot quickly changes to the rooftop where we see Franco and Fritz, uh, you know, trying to, 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 to move John along, you know, to, to hurt him in a certain uh, direction or whatever it is. And that we see that they're shooting at him, but, but they constantly are missing. You know, the, 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 apparently Hans didn't hire the right people if he wants to, to have people who, who know how, to, who know how to, to shoot well. Nobody has, you know, Hans is the... In the hiring department. <laughs> that's right. The, the only two people who have managed to, to, to actually hit anything is when using a handgun uh, a few inches away from someone's head. That That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. actually, no, uh, Carl killed the second security guard without, uh, you know, he was a little further away, but still, you know, and first of all, I love the, the layout of the roof because we see that, the, that it's all zigzagged around. You know, as the the shots are taking, they're they're shooting at each other and stuff like that. So there's always some place for someone to hide, as you know, as things are moving along and stuff like that. You know, the you can basically see though that John, Fritz, and Franco are all completely shooting blindly. They're not hitting anything. They don't, you know, they don't really care <laughs> about <laughs> apparently what they're trying to hit because because you know one of the good things about being living in the movie world. Or uh, maybe you know this also from from the the TV world, you know that that you have uh, magical uh, you know clips in guns that that will shoot as many bullets as you need, you know. <laughs> so yeah, did did they do that on 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 the blacklist also? Did were there? Uh, they they try to keep it they try to keep it uh, realistic. <laughs> I think for the most part. Okay. They have a really really uh, good uh, armor on that show. This guy named Joel who. Um, who is just top notch with safety, <laughs> which is very important as we yes. all. Yes. Uh, everyone got a big lesson on that on the after the. Yeah. The whole fiasco with Alec Baldwin's Western, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so right so the, basically the. You know it, uh, we, then the, the the shot then pans up and we get to see the the helicopter pad where we see Carl calmly walking across. You know, uh, trying to, you know, to find a way to to pick off uh, John, you know, who who doesn't know that he's up there. You know, yep. and they, they the and also the, the the shot. If you look at it, you see you see the the blinking lights, you see the muzzle flashes, you see the gunshots, and as it's all coming together, you see you also can hear the music. You know, the the music changes tempo at this mm-hmm. point. You know, adding to the to the to the suspense and thrilling aspects of of everything that's going on and then we get mclean screaming out christ you know and he's he's shooting randomly as he's walking backwards he probably doesn't have much experience with machine guns you know as as a you know as a detective he probably just uses his pistol most of the time but you know he still knows how to use it and you know then then carl we see him once again creeping up from above but what's really strange is, is he's holding his gun up. Now, obviously, if you're on a shooting range or somewhere where you don't want to accidentally shoot somebody, you're going to keep your 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 the, the muzzle up. But if he's trying to to you know reach a point where he can shoot somebody, you'd think that he would already walk as much as he can in the ready. 
you know, to be able to do. Yeah, that. it's an interesting choice. I don't really understand it, but yeah, I, I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. And then uh, it goes back, and we see another shot of John just shooting blindly at everything that possible. You know, then then he, uh, you know, he turns and he runs and looks over his shoulder, and he ends up uh, backing himself up into Carl's line of fire, which is what Carl wanted. But somehow uh, Carl seems to miss. You know, <laughs> he had the perfect <laughs> shot. It's a it's a perfect mm-hmm. shot for him, and just didn't work at all. Nope. You know, and. Uh, you know, then the 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 way that that uh, you know everything misses, so John is then able to find a way to take cover, and uh, you know it, it it gives him a chance to to, to change magazines, which uh, you know thankfully he has a second magazine that that he was able to take from from uh, Tony, you know from Tony's bag when he when he was shooting earlier. But again, there's no way most clips hold between uh, 15 and 30 bullets. You know, uh, he shot a lot more than that at this point, you know, before he's changed uh, the, the clip there anyway. And then he... One thing, if you see the um, the shot where Bruce Willis is backing up, uh, you know, and firing as he's, you know, on his way to kind of hide behind uh, the next spot that he has to hide behind, is... One thing that I just love about this movie and movies of this era that use this too, we're talking about the lenses again, but if you can see the way these kind of, the the the, the flares are kind of this uh, sort of uh, lengthwise this time, but oval circular shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it just, that's, that's also another feature of the anamorphic lenses that were, uh, Panavision lenses of that period um, that I just love is, I, I don't know, I just, I, whenever I see those, <laughs> that that kind of circle circular oval flare, I get all excited. I just like that. Okay, guy. that's good. That's a good thing to be excited about. <laughs> so, and also just the uh, the this. I, I'm not exactly sure what's generating the smoke that's on the the roof there. I guess maybe it's like New York City with the subway. They just have <laughs> smoke coming up or whatever yeah, steam. Right. But but it certainly makes Carl look cool as he's walking along. Yes. So <laughs> it gives gives a good atmosphere to everything. Yeah, so because I, it was I, probably I not very. I, I don't know. I don't know what motivates it, but I don't really care because it just looks cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think I think that's the point. You know that it's supposed to look cool. I think that that's what they're looking for because it can't be from like a heating vent or something like that because I doubt it's that cold. You know, you mm-hmm. you would know more how how cold it gets in December in LA. Yeah. Than than I would, but uh, you know, I I don't think it gets that cold that you have the heat on. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as he, you know, switches, uh, clips, then, uh, he looks over and he sees a, uh, you know, a door that he decides to, uh, to, to, to go through. So he just empties the entire clip into it, which is again, very funny that, you know, he just spent an entire clip running from the bad guys and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And now in two seconds, he shoots out the next clip, you know, that he had. So, well, yeah. it's his it's his uh, escape to freedom. He's got to use his yes. resources wisely. So. Correct, for sure. But he 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 he's got to think that he's going to need them in the future, also. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't know what's beyond that Perhaps, door. I also like though that they went to the trouble with the squibs on this movie of having ones that have you know just sparks flying, which is very interesting visually to look at, rather than just boom, 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 like the door being blown open, which yeah. which they could have done. Yeah. Yeah. But the the sparks, much like the smoke, just kind of add a little 
just a, a lovely visual flair to the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then he, he and, runs towards the door and once again does his acrobatics by jumping yep. over this. I mean, he, he he could be in the Olympics with this type of uh, the way that he jumps over the, this railing because he's like holding yep. with one arm and goes over it. So that's that's pretty, pretty impressive. That's you know, true. Not something not something that I would have expected from uh, from from Bruce Willis, even in 1988. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he was mainly known for moonlighting at that time, as I recall. Correct. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I don't think in moonlighting he was doing uh, moves like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I remember it was a big surprise that he suddenly became an action hero. Yes. Yes. But I think that's also one of the reasons why this movie works so well, because you don't expect him to be the action hero. Mm. You know, he's he's just like any of the rest of us. You know, that's the thing. Yep. And, totally. But, but he's John McClane. You know, so <laughs> mm-hmm. and and basically he lands on the ground right in front of the door, and that's the way this minute ends. So, did yeah. you have any anything else you want to say about this minute, Kurt? No, I think I think we covered it. I think it's uh, it's good. The, the, like, like I said, my favorite things on this one is particularly the staging of those two shots at the beginning. I think those are really strong. Yeah. Right. So the the script has another few minor discrepancies, not that many. First of all. Uh, the dispatch calls him a second time because he doesn't respond the first time, which again mm-hmm. is not needed. And then uh, it says as he's leaving the store, he burns rubber. I don't know why they would say that. Maybe because they told him it's a code two, and that means it's urgent. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but it's it's obvious why they didn't put that in the movie because you don't need it. And when they when he when that shot comes over to see Nakatomi Plaza and you see the the, the dancing lights of the gunfire up there, it's a perfect transition to yeah. back to the roof. So it would be stupid to cut back to the guy driving because obviously we know he's going to drive. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. But the yeah. difference is in the script, they don't have the, the shot. They don't, they don't say that, that it, you know, you pan to the, to him looking out at the Nakatomi. Hmm. Um, it, it actually, sorry. It, it does have it, but he doesn't like walk or anything. He just looks up. And it says, there it is, Nakatomi, in all its gleaming glory. That's all it says. And then, then he, re- you know, that that's also why he didn't respond at first. He was, I guess, distracted by looking at uh, the Nakatomi building. Yeah, right? well, I guess that's probably something the director figured out looking at it. Like, oh, it's a much better transition if he looks up and sees the the, the flashes in the distance. So we know yeah. he sees there's something. And boom, we go to the, the I, I think that's just something you'd figure out. Like, like oh, we don't need that. <laughs> right. <laughs> just do this. Okay, so, makes yeah. sense. Right, and then it has a description of uh, John on top of the roof. It says, uh, running for his life from Fritz and Franco, he doesn't realize he's being herded around the building towards Carl. Suddenly, McLean turns a corner and sees Carl. The big man fires a burst, and McLean ducks behind, uh, ducks back, stopping at the exterior door to the pump room he used before. It is locked from the inside. And then it says that he blows blows off the, 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 the lock with uh, a burst from the machine gun. But, yeah, I guess uh, that's true that the one the one leap that you make here is that he wouldn't necessarily know that that door was locked before he's shooting off the lock, but I right. guess maybe he's just <laughs> making sure because he's only going to get one shot at going at it. <laughs> right. So Exactly. But but it is true that he he didn't like get up and try the lock or anything like that. Yeah. So Yeah, but he's um, panicking. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah, well, does he look over? Let me take one more look at that. He looks over. He looks over it and he sees it, but he doesn't really. He's not really paying attention to what's there. 
We just see him. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's and he just looks over, looks over there. I guess it's a fair assumption that it would be locked, but yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, tomorrow we'll find out what that he's door is. He's not going to get a chance to go over there and pull on the lock because he's being fired out in that alley. So yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> also. Right. All right. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guests will will give a little story about an adventure, misadventure, something that might have happened at some point uh, during their lives over some something that's related to the holidays. So you got a story for us, Kurt? Um, I don't know that it's a misadventure per se, but it's related to this movie, which is that we, over um, Christmas this last year, uh, it was hard, I was at my sister's house with the, her family and um, my folks, and it was hard to get anybody to agree on anything to watch, uh, particularly my nephews are older now, uh, for um, for Christmas Eve uh, when we wanted to like sit down and watch a movie after dinner. And so we had actually ended up watching Die Hard uh, <laughs> on Christmas Eve. And I don't think either of my parents had ever seen it before. Oh, wow. And I think they liked it, but I think they were in kind of shock as to how violent this movie was that we were watching on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so um, Little did they know that you saw it when you were 14. <laughs> Well, I saw it when I was 14. My, my parents never did. You know, no, my, I know that. Younger. I'm saying your parents didn't know that you saw it when you were 14. Them being well, shocked I mean, they, now. At, at, well, they're, they're just being shocked, like, this is what we're watching on Christmas. Ah, kind of uh, okay. Not shocked at, oh, okay. Sorry, I misunderstood that. I thought you meant shocked at the, yeah, the amount yeah, of violence. Yeah, so. And, yeah, and I, I do remember, this is kind of just related to what I'm doing now, is uh, this isn't in the sequences we're watching, but in the downstairs portion of you know down in the lobby you know they keep cutting back to the uh the bad guy who was put on point in the lobby eddie is that a lot of people mistake him for huey lewis <laughs> and, and, and you're wearing and, a huey lewis shirt right now that only i can see but yeah 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 i well, i'm 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 making a documentary about huey lewis and his hearing disorder i've been following him around for three years now so so Everyone in my world knows that, like, uh, that you know, I'm kind of the resident Huey Lewis expert now <laughs> because I've I, I've been following Huey around for three years and you know filming him and and uh, so it's just funny because that that became a big point of discussion. Is that Huey Lewis? That, that is not Huey Lewis. Huey did not act in Die Hard. No, no, no I'm pretty sure that's Huey. That, it looks like Huey. It's not Huey. <laughs> so, but it's well, just, do, uh, do you know who I think the, the the original security guard looks like? Do you remember what the guy looks like? The the original security guard who gets shot at the beginning? Uh, I don't remember the scene right off. So, okay. so no, I, I, I always think that that's, I always think that that's uh, John Larroquette. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. Yeah. All right. Great. So you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Uh, my website, which is my name, just K-U-R-T-K-U-E-N-N-E.com. And there's a contact button on there. All right. Great. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe. Any podcatcher you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is quite simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Around Minute. You can find me on my website. You can find me on Facebook. Or you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yippee ki